We say we're a nation of laws, but I think we can do better than that. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is The Spirit of Leading. We often hear our politicians remind us that we're a nation of laws. Well, in this episode of the Spirit of Leading podcast, I want to make the case why priding ourselves on being a nation of laws is setting the standard a little too low. Have you ever wondered, well, why do we have laws? Why do we think they're necessary? Can't we simply expect people to do the right thing? Well, the simple answer to that question is no. But it's not because people are bad. It's that we all run kind of on the same premise that we have to do what's best for our own survival and well-being. Therefore, we tend to be looking out for number one. That would be ourselves. We act in our own self-interests. The problem comes when we're trying to live with others. In the good old days, you know, back when humans were kind of new on the planet, might makes right kind of ruled the day. In fact, it ruled the day for a long time. But since we've come into community, we try to find a way to agree on our behaviors that can produce harmony and safety for all as the best way to go. So we agree on limits or we agree on boundaries to our behavior beyond which are inappropriate. Go too far and that's not a good thing. As you think about it, by definition, a law or a rule tends to be the worst possible behavior we can get away with without crossing the line that will get us in trouble in our community. And that principle works over and over and over again. As we form communities, communities sort of set the standards or the rules for what the behavior is expected. We call that group norming. But when we codify those and put them sort of in law books or rule books, then we have now sort of institutionalize those codes into something that's more formal and we can all read and agree with and we kind of know what's to be expected. The law in itself is an implicit threat because it simply says, well, cross this line and you might get punished for doing so. A law is sort of a negative reinforcement, which simply says you comply with this boundary or else. The punishment is intended to be the deterrent for this aberrant behavior. Or as anybody who's violated the speed limit knows, maybe that will happen. I always point the speed limits as kind of an example of a law. We say, this, someone has decided this is how fast you can go. This is the fastest you can go in this particular stretch of, of road. And then people just zip on by any speed they want to go. Most of the time, they go right on through and never suffer any consequences. But every once in a while, they get caught. But it's just a maybe thing. We might not always get caught. The thing about laws, and especially civil laws, is that they are changeable depending on who has that law-making authority. For example, here in Oklahoma, where I live, uh, the, the speed, limit, speed limit on the turnpikes and on some of the interstates is 75 miles an hour, but they're getting ready to go up to 80 miles an hour based upon a law that was passed by our legislature. And they used to be only 55 when I was much younger, and we had all this uh, energy stuff going on back in our country, and they finally went back up to 70. But 
those laws kind of come and go. They fluctuate depending upon who's calling the shots. Well, we place this kind of authority in city councils, in state legislatures, in the U.S. Congress, and other kinds of rulemaking bodies. Then, in our democratic society, we select the people we want to serve on those bodies. And so we tend to want to select people that agree with the kind of laws that we think we ought to be having or what we ought to be passing. Those individuals and groups who want a certain law enacted, they'll go lobby or advocate for their point of view in order to craft the most favorable law to their own self-interests. And it's usually for the least restrictive law that gives them the greatest personal advantage to get what they want, the lowest possible standard that must be met without getting into trouble. That's kind of where laws are. So, we are a nation of laws. It's not against the law to pollute rivers and streams. It's not against the law right now to spew toxins into the atmosphere. At least it's not enforced. It's not against the law to manufacture food designed to hook you while at the same time causing severe health issues over long-term ingestion. We know that to be a fact. It's not against the law for predatory lenders to ensnare consumers into mountains of debt that forever indenture them to the lender. It's not against the law to fund political campaigns with unregulated and anonymous donations designed to promote one point of view while driving out the opportunity for others to be voiced. The list goes on and on and on because the laws set generally the lowest possible bar. There are exceptions. When some nefarious behavior is uncovered, how often does the culprit say, well, I didn't do anything illegal. I didn't break any laws. We hear that and then bristle and our reaction might be, well, well, you didn't break any laws, but everyone knows what you did was wrong. We say we're a Christian nation. So let's use an example from the Bible. In the Old Testament, when the Hebrews escaped the heavy-handed and repressive Egyptian Pharaoh, they soon needed some laws to govern their newly found freedom, their emerging nation, a new nation in need of moral direction or civil direction. So their leader, Moses, received the Ten Commandments. Here are the rules to guide your life, ten of them. And then they got a lot of additional rules to govern their life together. Some of them came with threats of enforcement if they were violated. So the law of Moses reigns supreme, even to today, for the Jewish faith community. Fast forward into Jesus' time, and his complaint was that the religious establishment had become corrupt in the way it administered the law of Moses. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' premise was, well, that the law wasn't a high enough standard. For example, he said, you've heard it said, don't kill which was one of the Ten Commandments. Then he'd said, but I say, don't be angry with your brother. And again he said, well, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, another one of the laws. Then he said, but I say, don't lust. And Jesus cited several more examples in which he said there's a higher standard than the law to which you should aspire. Jesus called us to set higher moral and ethical standards than the law required, and then to live up to them, to enforce them by example. 
Now, in Jesus' day, there was a group of people called the Pharisees. They were the purists of the law. They, they wanted to keep the purity of the law, but they were equally eager to find loopholes that gave them a way out. So when it came to the rule to keep their Sabbath day holy, they had come up with a number of exceptions and how far those exceptions could go before going too far. When it came to their tithing, which was their income tax, they negotiated for certain deductions and exemptions that reduced the amount on which their tithe was calculated. <laughs> Not much has changed, has it? So you see, legalism, laws and legalism, does not inspire us to our greatest good. Legalism, historically, has generally been a race to the bottom in human behavior and decency. What's the most I can get away with before going too far? What's the least I must do and still be on the right side of the law? High moral and ethical principles are the opposite mindset. High ethical principles set a higher expectation of what we should do in the best interest of all concerned, not just a few. Near the end of his life, the religious law keepers tested Jesus with several legal questions to try and trip him up, and he always had some way to be one step ahead of them in his response, and they'd, they'd wander away foiled in their attempt to discredit him. But they'd be back. They came back one time with the ultimate question, the ultimate question to Jesus, and that question was, well, what is the greatest commandment? They thought surely they could find something to trip him up that someone wouldn't agree with. Jesus simply said, love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. This high ethical and moral standard undergirded any and all laws that they could come up with. A nation of laws? I think we can do better. We are better. Indeed, we need to make America whole again. And wholesome demands we seek and set higher expectations for ourselves than the law requires. Not to be self-righteous and not to be holier than thou, but because love holds us to greater expectations. Community holds us to greater expectations. Psychologist Steven Pinker said, Moral goodness is what gives us the sense that we are worthy human beings. Well, that moral goodness stems from an expectation of high ethical values that we hold ourselves up to. We're better than that. Philosopher David Hume said, the rules of morality are not the conclusion of our reason. Because we can reason ourselves into any human abomination known to man, including hatred, inhumanity, genocide, slavery, racism, murder. Laws alone will not make our world whole or our nation great unless they are laws that raise the standards of behavior to challenge us to be the best version of the souls that are our true selves. Long before Marion Williamson entered politics, she wrote, Love is what we are born with. Fear is what we learn. The spiritual journey is the unlearning of fear and prejudice and the acceptance of love back into our hearts. Love is the essential reality and our purpose on earth. To be consciously aware of it, to experience love in ourselves and others is 
the meaning of life. Meaning does not lie in things. Meaning lies in us. It's okay to be a nation of laws, but we have to understand that laws are sort of the baseline expectations. If we say we're keeping the law, that might not mean we're really keeping the faith in ourselves because our expectations of living on a higher plane, on a deeper spiritual level, simply means that we relate to each other, not because the law requires it, but because the love in our heart will allow no less. So is it good enough for you to just be a nation of laws? Or can we do better? Well, that's it for this installment of The Spirit of Leading. Thanks for listening. I encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone who demonstrates the spirit of leading at work and in the community. Be watching for the next installment of The Spirit of Leading. You can sign up on this page for the podcast and you'll receive notifications when the next installment is published. And I'll also send you links to my Empowering Thoughts podcast each week. So until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day. Encourage the spirit, enliven the heart, enlighten the mind, and enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters. Thank you.